give me fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. Hey everybody and welcome to episode 10 of Metallicast, the Metallica podcast. I'm your host and fellow Metallica fan. My name is Brandon and this episode has been a bit in the making. Keeps on getting rescheduled for one reason or another, but finally it is happening and I am happy to be rejoined by the one and only artist extraordinaire, Nick Makoviak. <laughs> Slow clap. That is me Slow clapping. Clap. Definitely not Nick clapping for himself. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the show, bud. Oh, oh, yeah, it definitely has been um, the podcast that should not be. Yeah, it just kept getting, you know, or the podcast that never comes, you know, more in particular. Yeah. Yeah, it just kept getting pushed back and delayed. Yeah. Uh, we're both teachers. So, yeah. you know, the first, even now, like, my life still, it's very, very hectic. So, it, yeah, it just kept getting pushed back or I got sick. It, it was yeah. basically me. It's basically me. <laughs> let's, let's call like, A little call, bit like, me. A little bit me. What, well, once the school year starts, you hit the ground running and then... You know, some people give teachers a hard time because we get summers off, but you really hit the ground running and do not stop until after that final day. And then you take a breath and then you start all over again. So it becomes yeah. a little bit tougher. Yeah, um, people people don't realize how tough teaching is. There's a reason why we need those those two months off because <laughs> it's, it is brutal, you yeah. know, like because you, you deal you deal with – hundreds like my case hundreds of other people's kids yeah all the time yeah so i teach uh, about 150 students a day i'm about that way too Uh, and because i'm elementary i teach the entire school same i have about 700 kids yeah i'm the same my student population is less but we have about close to like 500 like four something but uh, same thing where by the end of the year, I see every single student. Yeah, I see every every single student every week. You know, it's just, it's, you know, it's nonstop and it's hard. You know, I feel bad a lot of times because I don't remember a lot of their names. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I, mean, I have less students than you right now, it sounds like. And we're a month in and there are still students who I'm like, I'm sorry, remind me your name. <laughs> no, the, the worst is because I've been in my school for eight years and I've had a lot of brothers and sisters. This happened to me actually, um, what is today, Monday, right? Friday. Yeah. I call the girl by her sister's name repeatedly without even knowing <laughs> it. And then she goes, uh, Mr. Makoviak, that's my sister's name. <laughs> like, I, 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 I totally, I had no idea. It went, I'm like, all right, uh, you know, and it just kept going because like, you can't stop. Be like, you know, overanalyze. You just go, oh, yeah, oh yeah, you know, or well, like, you, you know brothers, what? sisters, cousins. So at least you had the right family. You know? yeah, 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 yeah. Or I mean, I've butchered. I mean, I've butchered people's names. Oh, yeah. I, I've called them completely the wrong name. Completely yeah. the wrong name. Yeah. Or mispronounced their name for two years because <laughs> I, I teach third. I teach third, fourth, and fifth grade. So yeah. third and fourth grade, I call them, you know, I, you know, the wrong pronunciation of their name, and I get to fifth grade, and they go, oh, "Mr. Makovia, I guess not how you say my name." I'm like you didn't correct me. <laughs> two years, two years, you didn't correct me, 
you know, now, now you have an attitude. So I would like put a little <laughs> sass when I say their name. And they kind of, you know, they would give me like a little, hmm. But, you know, they would appreciate, they appreciated it. Like, like now they're in middle school yeah. and they come back. Like, oh man, I miss you. I miss how you like kind of made fun of my name. Like, yeah, that's how it goes. <laughs> well, my go-to is like, if I, if an old student comes up to me and they're like, do you remember my name? For some reason, they know that I do not. So they always have to test me on it. They're like, Mr. O. That's what they call me. So they're like, Mr. Mm-hmm. O, do you remember my name? And then if I just make up something completely ridiculous. So if it's a boy, I'll be like, yep, nice to see you, Amanda. And I just keep on walking, you know? <laughs> I should do that. <laughs> no, at this point, I just go, nope, don't remember. said, I, I didn't know your homeroom in fifth grade and when you had art, but I don't, I'm like, no, just tell me your name. Yeah, yeah. And, and they'll tell me and I'll go. Still not ringing the bell, but let's go with it anyway. Yeah. Like, you could tell me the, you could tell me like it, like your, like your name's Amanda, and you know, and it's really <laughs> Rachel. I'm like, meh. All right, cool. Or sometimes <laughs> I feel like I do know their name, so I'm like, give me the first letter. So they're like, you know, give me the first letter B or whatever. I'm like, yeah, sorry, give me the second letter. <laughs> 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 just, just keep on spelling it, and uh, eventually maybe I'll get it. Yeah. No, it's tough, you know, the beginning of the school year, you know, it's, it, you know, it's really, really tough, and, you know, like, we've had days off, and, like, for, for me, I know, like, it's shop talk, we'll get the pus head people, relax, we'll get there. <laughs> you know, for me, it was really hard, because we started on the Tuesday right after Labor Day, so yeah. we had a delayed opening, then we had a full day, then we had an early dismissal, because it was, it was ungodly hot and miserable here. Ah, uh, you're one of those schools. Yeah, because we didn't have, we don't have air conditioning. Yeah. So, and because you know, I think I don't know if it's New Jersey law or not, but you know, three, you know, three days of ninety plus, you know, where the high is ninety degrees or higher, that's a heat wave. Yeah. And I mean, it was. I felt like I was melting. I got home every day, felt like I was drenched because yeah. I was drenched and I was just drained. I would come home, just plop down on the bed couldn't do anything you know it was just like that like and even yeah, now yeah. like in, you know into you know i can't believe it's already october 8th that's insane I like know. i can't believe like we're like like halloween's tomorrow next week's thanksgiving and then yeah. the day after that's christmas <laughs> and then it's new year's yeah you know it's exactly. it's, it's amazing and then like you know with teaching at it's it moves so fast and so slow at the same time i know it, it, that that is perfectly said. It really is. Yeah, and like like I was, you know, and, and then we had off for you know two days for Rosh Hashanah. Then the following day, week we had off a day for Yom Kippur. Yeah, we had the same. It, yeah, and like we just we could, you know, I can't, I couldn't get you know like out of the blocks because, you know, I see my kids. You know, we have a, a day one the five rotation, so like I don't see them the same week day every week. Yeah. So. Like today is a day two, and then tomorrow is day three. You know, and it'll keep going like that yeah. until we have a day off, and we just move to the next day. So, I've seen my kids, I think, four or five times, and I'm like, "What did we do last week?" Because <laughs> I, I, I won't, I won't remember. Or like last week, I was at a conference Monday and Tuesday, so. Or and you just, like, or, <laughs> or you'll just have like, you'll teach the same lesson multiple times in a day. And, yeah. Or multiple times in a week. So from class yeah. to class, you're like, wait, 
Did I do this with this class or was that the other class? <laughs> oh, it happens. It happens all the time. You know, some classes are further ahead and some yeah. are much, you know, are yeah. more behind. So you don't remember. Did I show this video? Did I say this in yeah. class? Where are we? You know, like, I would look at their work and go, oh, and then I'm still waiting on supplies. It's October and I have to yeah. call oh, yeah. a couple companies and be like, uh, I don't have portfolio paper. And that's kind of a big thing for me. But yeah, and I digress. And then some kids will be like, Mr. O, we already did this. I'm like, it's called a review. Back off. <laughs> yeah, I would just say, you know. I know. Yeah, or just, you know, I'm just, you know, restating the information because you because you obviously forgot. Or <laughs> yeah. this happened um, last school year where yeah. I actually retaught the same lesson. Now, in the beginning of class, I asked everyone, <laughs> did we go over this last week? No. Okay. And I would, and I was going over. The, I forgot what it was, for about ten minutes. And then one kid timidly raised her head and said, "Mr. McCoffey, we went over this last week." I said, uh, "I asked everyone in the beginning of class if we did any of this." He looked at me like I had five heads, you know, coming out of my neck. So I just went along with it, you know. And then sometimes too, like you know, you taught it because you're like, "Man, this yeah. sounds very familiar." But you're like, "Ah, screw it. I'm just gonna keep going with it." <laughs> yeah. See if anyone notices, and the kids they don't know. They're like, "Yeah, that's yeah, cool." Yeah. <laughs> hey, the more they hear it, the more they'll get it. So <laughs> yes, repetition. Rep- repetition is very important. So so we are branching out, Metalcast. Also, not just the Metallica podcast, but the Teacher Podcast. Yes. So you know, there should be a Teacher Podcast. Really there, there has to be. I mean, you, there are so many. I could write book after book of all like the crazy and funny stories you know just telling like teacher stories that could oh, be God. a podcast in and of itself yeah i mean yeah forget the kids just the teacher stories that's yeah. amazing but <laughs> yeah. b- before we get into puss head um i remember about 10 years ago i was long-term subbing you know for middle school art at an eighth grader Her name's kelsey sweet girl about as bright as a shadow <laughs> we were doing a project on chimeras chimeras for, for those who, do, who don't know is a mythical animal that's two or more combined and now i know some actually exist like ligers and all that but you know we were going for more fantasy right and it was a two-part project where they did a drawing of the animal and then we did a sculpture of it so when we did the drawing i had them put this animal in an you know in the environment so i'm like well if you have a frog and a swan you know, where is this animal going to live? Is it going to live in a pond? Is it going to live in a marshland? You know, or if you have like a lion and a spider, like how, where is it going to live? So my class had 27 students. How I wish that my class were that small these days, but whatever. Right. <laughs> and, you know, 27 full-grown eighth graders in a small space and then me going around the room. You know, it was a tight fit. Yeah. So, you know, eighth graders being eighth graders, you know, you have, always have to be on, on your toes and be, you know, a step ahead of them. So I'm helping one girl on, on one side of the room, and I hear on the other side of the room, oh, my God, you didn't just say that. Now, my mind goes, eighth grade, oh, boy, this can go many ways. This could be anything. This could be anything. So I, you know, kind of like perked my head like a dog, turned, and the girl, Maria, goes, Mr. McCovey, I come over here. So I went over, and Maria goes, you know, goes to Kelsey. Goes, Kelsey, tell tell Mr. Rakovic what you just told me. I'm like, oh God, what is this? <laughs> and Kelsey, without any irony in her voice, she wasn't being sarcastic. She wasn't being funny. 
she asked me deadpan, all seriousness, are there clouds in Africa? <laughs> and I looked at her and I had thought about this and I said, you know, maybe she's thinking of like the Sahara <laughs> Desert. You know, it doesn't rain a lot. And I, I, just, I, I stopped my thoughts and go, no dumbass, it, it, it rains. Like, like it, I try to give her some credit. And I just looked yeah. at her and I said, Kelsey, there are clouds in Africa. And she just goes, oh, okay. <laughs> We're trying to work. So should, should the day come where I, where I write my book or a comic strip about my, my adventures in teaching, the title of the book is called, Are There, you know, are there Clouds in Africa? And the subtitle is Other Intellectual Musings from My Students because there's just so, so, so many. So, yeah. Right there. Public education, everyone, number one. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, so, I assume that you're planning a uh, PASED unit to do with your students? I, you know, I would love to. <laughs> I just, I, I, I can't imagine, you know, having my principal like, <laughs> so, uh, Nick, you come to my office. Yeah, and we have to talk about your projects. You yeah, know, getting emails from parents. Yeah, that might raise a few eyebrows. A little bit, a little bit. Yeah. But what a perfect transition um, from this podcast professional. Um, mm -hmm. You know, which you were so kindly reminded me that I am that before we started recording. Um, I'm just throwing that out there because it's not going unrecognized. You know. Um, is unrecognized even a word? I just teach art. I don't teach grammar, so. <laughs> well, I'm going to say it is because obviously I'm really good at the English language seeing how I host a podcast. Yes. Um, so basically everything that I say is fact and, um, accurate. So with that said, let's start talking about Mr. Pusshead. Mm, indeed. So, we had you on the show before you, just a couple months ago, you were on uh, as part of my In Summer for All series, and you are on talking about Harvester of Sorrow, and the fact that you are an artist and that your artwork is, uh, or some of your artwork is inspired by Pusset, our conversation started going that way. And since then, we've been planning this episode, uh, Pusset is a topic that I always wanted to do at some point. And I was so happy when you wanted to join me because I feel like you can really start, you can talk about it a lot more intelligently than I will be able to because you have that background and that skill set. Um, but I figure we could start with some general background information. So, Pusshead, do you know his real name, sir? Of course, it's Brian Schroeder. Of course, it is Brian Schroeder. Now, I'm not sure how he got the name Pussa. Do you know where that name comes from? Do you know the uh, story behind that? No. I'm probably going to guess it's a... It probably came from his hardcore background. Yeah, that was my guess. You know, because his band's called Septic Death. Yes, which is a great band name. It, it is. It's, it's an awesome band. <laughs>
Accepting Death was this hardcore punk band from the 1980s and very obscure, kind of under the radar. But I think, you know, as Pusset and his art has grown in popularity and time has passed, uh, I believe Subject Death has really gotten a lot of recognition and they were really sort of pioneers um, in the hardcore punk, thrashcore, whatever you want to call it, genre. And now they have definitely like a cult following. Uh, Pusset was the singer of that band and I'm not sure if this was his um, earliest published work, but I'm assuming it was. He designed pretty much all the album covers and gig posters and whatnot for Septic Death. Yeah, I I, I think so. Because like he did a lot of stuff in the late seventies and early eighties for a lot of hardcore bands, you know, in you know, in California. You know, he also spent a lot of his um childhood, teenage years, a little bit of adulthood in Boise, Idaho, which is where Septic Death was I think was based there. Yeah. So he you know, yeah, I mean Septic Death now, you know, regarded as pioneers of that hardcore, thrash core crossover, whatever you want to call it, music. You know, back then they were just another another band. Right. You know, and, and they also played, you know, infrequently. They were they released you know, EPs and LPs, you know, very infrequently as well. You know, but Pusshead, he stayed busy with his art. And looking at a lot of his early stuff, it, it was primitive, to, to say the very least, compared to what, yeah. you know, what we're used to. You know, it's, 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 it's very, it's very basic. It's, it's crude, very crude. <laughs> yeah, I was looking at some of the, um, album covers and I, I think the best way I could describe it is sort of like lo-fi which you yeah. know like if for anybody and I think a lot of people listening to this can relate for anybody who's gone to a record store and picked up a hardcore album or a punk album you know that's sort of the look a lot kind of lo-fi um I don't want to say low budget but yes low budget looking album covers and but these were hand drawn by Pasad, a lot of black and white stuff, um, and a lot of basic stuff. But also, like you said, very crude. Like the the what you would become, what would become known from Pasad, you could still see in that early work. Yeah, yeah. Like a lot of it had that kind of DIY feel. You know, that was very you know ingrained in the hardcore community you know i'm looking at some of his older i'm looking looking at some of his older artwork for a couple of a couple of uh, bands that he did yeah it's as far as like the like crude goes you know it, it's in content matter because it had a lot of gore mm-hmm. you know with some of them but also just in style it wasn't polished it wasn't finessed you know it was you know black and white just a couple reds here and there you know it had that kind of you know gritty homemade feel to it because again remember you know back in the early 80s you know people weren't doing artwork in photoshop you know they weren't doing artwork on ipads you know it was all done by hand you know whether it was um hand painted hand drawn hand inked you know it was all it had you know it was all done you know by hand and even looking at some of these older album covers you know looking at how some of the the type is you know done on a typewriter and it's cut out and then taped on top of the artwork. 
yeah. you know, has a lot of that feel to. But again, it was part of the part of that community. It was part of that mythos. So, right. you know, it, it fit in at the time. But compared to what we're used to with Pusshead, you know, you didn't start seeing that really up until the mid '80s. Like a lot of his early '80s work, it's you know, it's it's not. It's not polished, I would say. It's not. It's not what we're used to. It's also very, in art terms, very, very busy, which means there's a lot yeah. of things going on, but it's also very distracting, and it's it's amateurish, I would say. Probably the best word. It's amateur. Yeah, I saw one cover in particular. Um, I think it was for the album, which is sort of ironic. Maybe this was intentional. Uh, but I think the album was called Now That I Have the Attention, What Do I Do With It? And it's a very detailed and busy album cover where you have like this uh, bikini or underwear clad woman with like sort of what would become his signature skull look, but it's just surrounded by, you know, like tombstones, body parts, flowers. It's hard to make out everything that's in there, but it is very busy in a way yeah it's not as it's not as refined as you know as his work would become because he would put in you know a lot of design elements later on but it was a lot cleaner it was a lot more controlled you know it you know he moved your eye a lot better you know whereas you know back then it's it reminds me a lot of you know student artwork where it's you know, I don't want to get too art nerdy because people are like, what the hell are you talking about? No, I, that's, that's why I wanted you on because you can go, you can dive in. And I know when I, uh, you know, I like I know that a lot of the listeners like hearing like technical music stuff when it's thrown in there. So please go as tech and nerdy as you, as you want. Yeah. So a lot of his early artwork, you know, the reason why a lot of the black and white doesn't stand out is because all of his lines are the same, what we call line weight or thickness. So there's not a lot of variety there. So, so when you have a lot of, when, when a lot of your things are the same, whether size, everything's the same size, everything's the same, you know, the lines are all the same thickness, they all go the same direction. You know, you, you use one or two, you know, the same textures in your work and, and it's very uniform it tends to, you know, kind of blur your work. And it, it, and what it does, it doesn't give you, doesn't give your eye an interest way, entryway into the artwork. You know, especially like in those, I'm trying to look here, like there's one that he did called Someone Got Their Head Kicked In, which is a compilation. And there's just a lot of shit going on. But it just, everything's kind of the same. There's not a lot of, you know, not a lot of black space. There's a lot of white open space. Everything's kind of the drawn the same way. Everything's kind of the same size. So your eye doesn't know where to go. Yeah, so looking just, at it right now. So it it's is. very, it's it's very very busy. So you don't quite know like where you should look. So yeah. when your work's like that, you know, you go, eh, you know, all right, whatever, and then you move on to the next thing because it doesn't. It doesn't hold your attention for the you know for the wrong reasons. This one and the other one I was talking about with uh, the attention one, um, they both sort of remind me of like those old school puzzles you do as a kid, like um, that you know are designed to like make it busy, like trick the eye, like find you know ten candles hidden in this uh, hidden in this drawing, like that type yeah. of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Because it's there's so much detail packed into 
like the same space. Yeah, and, and an artist now who does that a lot is uh, R- Richie Beckett. You know, Richie Beckett, he did the um, the Moth in the Flame t-shirt. He did the Call of Cthulhu shirt. Oh, okay. His work is super, super detailed and busy, and there's lots yeah. of little, little things in it, but he does enough things where it makes your eye move around the picture, which is really nice. Um, but you know, we can touch upon Beckett, you know, later on. And he's done yeah. a lot of album covers for other bands too, right? Bussed or Richie uh, Beckett? Richie Beckett. Uh yeah, he he's he's done a lot of prints for for other bands. He did one yeah. for Robert Plant. He did one for uh, Baroness. He did one. He did a couple for. Um, Mastodon. Yeah, I'm looking at. I'm looking at the reason I mentioned because I'm looking at some of his artwork now. And Baroness, I feel like their album covers are him or very modeled after his style because he has sort of that. I, I can instantly see like his signature style just from glancing at his work uh, on Google. Oh yeah, so with Baroness, you know, a lot of that artwork is done by by the singer uh, John Dyer Baisley, and a lot of his work. Especially his early work is very pusshead, very yeah. pusshead esque. In fact, I was fooled a couple of times. I thought a drawing was done by Pusshead, and it actually was done by John Dare Baisley. Huh. You know, but he, you know, he has he's grown like you know he's thrown a lot of Art Nouveau elements into his work, which involves a lot of long flowing lines and floral designs and very pretty women and, right. and you know, lots of you know intricate fabric work. So he's moved away from doing a lot of skull stuff. You know, but the pus head, you know, influence is still there. Even in like Beckett's work, where it's very, you know, very different. You know, his influence is still there. It's it's more distilled. Yeah. So, you know, and you know, I know like we're we're jumping all over the place, but you know, pus head's work is so iconic and recognizable. You know, especially with with the Metallica stuff. You know, that kind of like he like his works evolved into that. Yeah. Whereas. Pre-Metallica, I would even say pre-Misfits, you know, it was kind of like all over the place, amateurish work. And then once he started doing stuff for the Misfits, I, you know, the quality of his work jumped. And then when he got to working with Metallica, it went another rung. And then he just kept, you know, growing and growing and growing, even though his works pretty much stayed the same. Like you can yeah. look at the Damage Incorporated skull from 1986. Yeah. And you can look at the the rebel skull that he did for for the band like in 99 2000 you could still tell it's the same artist but his work has evolved slightly you know to where like there's certain things that he's kind of dialed away from and other things he's amped up over time yeah i, I think that's the perfect transition that's where i was heading next was uh, you know for those of you who have still not figured this out yet Passat has drawn so many iconic pictures that are associated with Metallica. And I think, you know, for most people, I think Metallica and his work with them is sort of his main claim to fame, even though he's done tons of stuff, but he's worked with, as you said, the Misfits. Um, he even did, I, re- I learned he did like a shirt for Dr. Dre. Mm-hmm. He's done stuff for Travis Barker. So not just metal and punk. He's done stuff outside that world. Um, he's done... You know, album covers, T-shirts, skateboards. I learned he even has a uh, a pair of sneakers he designed, a pair of yep. Nike Dunks. 
or toys. Dunks, uh, toys. Um, so, you know, he really, his artwork is available in so many mediums. Um, and I feel like, though, probably some of his most iconic work is with Metallica. But he worked with Misfits first. Yeah, and that's how he got to the band. So right. he, he did, um, he hooked up with Glenn Danzig. In fact, I have my little my resources here. Now, one thing that your listeners should know is that Pusshead does not do interviews. He okay. does not, yeah, he does, Pusshead does not do interviews. He does not, um, you know, he, he's not a public figure. There's a mystique about him. I like that. Yeah. So he's, he's almost like an artist. His artist where he just, he lets his artwork do the talking for him. Right. So, and a lot of the interviews that I had, I dug up, I had to look around like, there's a great website, pusfan.com, which is basically a pushead fan site. And even that website itself it doesn't have everything pushead's done. You know, by his estimation, he's probably done over a hundred things from Metallica alone. Yeah. You know, that's not including you know the things he's done after Metallica, the things he's done you know during that time. So he's done thousands and thousands and thousands of, of pictures, fonts, you know, whatever for other bands and himself. So, like even like when we get into our top five, you ask me a year from now, it might be different because I might find even more artwork. Yeah, well, even with, uh, when I was doing research for this episode, even looking at the Metallica designs, there were the obvious ones, and then there were ones that I remember but had forgotten about, and ones that I had never seen before. Like, it was really quite impressive and overwhelming, like, the amount that existed just for this one band. <laughs> yeah, like, I didn't know, like, I did not know until August that he did a a shirt for where the wild things are. Yeah. Well, it was funny. I have that shirt. I remember having that shirt when I was in middle school. I think I still have it. I doubt it fits anymore. But, um, and, and not even really connected to the dots so that was Pusset, even though when I saw it again today online, I was like, oh yeah, it definitely has like that signature style. Yeah, because it wasn't, you know, the human skull. I think it was like a bird skull and it had like pistons on it. Yeah. So, I mean, I had no idea that he even did that until like August, like late August. I'm like, yeah. oh shit, I did, I, I not a clue, not a clue. <laughs> I've seen a lot of Puzzhead in my time, so I had no idea. So go, going back to how he hooked up with the band, yeah, uh, he hooked up with the Misfits because, which I have to say here, I was saying like he doesn't do a lot of interviews. I went to the Metallica store and I bought an issue of So What because it had an interview with Puzzhead in it. Hmm. So it was. It's, it's volume ten, issue four. I want to say four bucks. One of the best, some of the best four dollars I've ever spent. And it's it's incredible because it's it's very it's a very good detailed interview about Pusshead's work with Metallica. Because there's a few interviews I, I found with with Thrasher magazine and a couple other a couple other magazines and it's basically based yeah. on skateboarding cuz he's a big skate he's a big skater. And he did a lot um, of stuff for Thrasher, I know. Yeah, he did he did a lot, you know. Yeah. With Zorlak, which, you know, cut ties into Metallica. Yeah. So he, he well, this is interesting. I wanted to touch upon this. Um, when it comes to his inspirations and you know for artwork, um, 
one of the one of the artists is Roger Dean, and Roger Dean did a lot of album covers in the seventies. Had a very sci like a very sci fi fantasy feel to it, very airbrushed. Mm-hmm. Like when you think of like the airbrush van from the seventies, it's based off of like Roger Dean's work. And Puss had said that he would buy an album based on Roger Dean's work without even knowing the band, the genre. He didn't care. Hmm. And I felt that was so interesting. Because I had, you know, similar experiences where I knew the artist who did an album cover, and I would buy the album cover, or I buy yeah. the album based on the artwork, not, not having a clue if I was going to like it or not. I mean, I ended up liking it. To, you know, give you an example, like last month, you know, I was going down the hole, like looking up like all the research for this and other artists. So, so we talked about John Dare Baisley, you know, doing artwork for the bands, and I found this one band, Skeleton Witch. Oh, they're yeah. pretty cool they're yeah. pretty cool and i again i had no idea who they were i'd seen the artwork dozens of times over the years checked them out love it and it's just based off of the artwork not based off of like like they're like a black thrash metal band like oh i like the artwork for the one cup for the one you know album cover yeah so i find that to be you know interesting that you know we all kind of do the same thing where you look at the artwork and go, oh, that's really cool because I know like that's Pusshead, that's you know Aaron Horkney, that's Richie Beckett, that's you know right whoever, and like you just gravitate towards because you know the artist, and you're like, all right, I'll check out this music too, but I really like the artwork too. Yeah, well, that's especially so, cool for you because you actually like I will see a really cool album cover, and I definitely, especially when I was younger, would go to the record store and be like, that's a badass album cover, I'm buying this album. But, like, I would have no clue about the artist, but you actually have knowledge of that, so you can maybe even seek things out sometimes just based on the artist, so. Yeah, like, I've checked out a lot of bands, you know, based solely on, like, oh, like, that, you know, that's, you know, that's Alex Ross. Like, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll listen to this album. So, without really knowing who it is, or even, I might know the band, but I'm like, oh, like, I'll check out this album because it has a kick-ass artwork by this artist that I really like. Yeah. So, so Puss had hooked up with Glenn Danzig in, in the early 80s because they had a friend called Tesco. And they're all in the hardcore, and Tesco recommended that Puss said, hey, you might like this guy named Glenn. You know, he's, he's a pretty cool guy from New Jersey. He likes the same shit that you do. So they would you know, call back and forth, and Glenn had him. You know, like they would exchange like comic books and, mm. you know, like, you know, and Misfits records and monster movie shit. So they would kind of go back and forth with that. So Glenn had Puss had do, you know, which is an out artwork for I want to say compilation. I'm not sure, but it's it's we call it the evil eye. It's the skull holding the eye in the hand, with you yeah. know, with the skull with the devil lock. That's the same shirt that James is wearing on the back of Master of Puppets. Which, oh, which yeah, now yeah. I get into that story. So, you know, Cliff being a big Misfits fan introduced Misfits to the band. You know, James loved it. Pusshead was aware of Metallica in, in 1984. He's seen them a few times again. Mm-hmm. That time, that crossover with, you know, punk rock and thrash metal, like Metallica was at the epicenter of that. Right. And, you know, James freaked out that Puss had attended a Metallica show. He freaked out. <laughs> so well, James, James was also, you know, avid skateboarder. Yes, so. he was. But yeah. he was he was more. Like, oh my God, that's the Misfits artist. And so he <laughs> he had someone bring Pusshead backstage. James was geeking out, and, and James asked Pusshead, like, "Hey, can I get can I get you know that Misfits shirt?" 
because he wants to wear it on the back cover of, of their new album that, that yeah. they're going to make. So James was all geeked out, you know, and Lars had came, you know, had come by, and James was like, "Hey, look, it's Pusshead, the Misfits guy." And Lars was like, "Who the fuck is that?" <laughs> so I wanted you to keep that note in mind because that's gonna that's gonna come back later on. So, so James went to Pusshead and it's like, "Hey, like we're gonna record this new album. I would love you to do artwork for it." And James's idea was he wanted Pusshead to draw the four members of Metallica as elongated zombies. And that would have been on the inside, you know, like, or the inside sleeve of, of the or the dust cover of the uh, of the record. James gave Pusshead the wrong phone number for the management, <laughs> and James like they took off like like, like according to Pusshead the next day might have been a few days later to De- to um, to uh, Denmark to, to record Master of Puppets, so. Puss had, you know, he's relating the story like he would call this number and some old lady would answer the phone, and he's and <laughs> and he's he's calling for Cliff Bernstein, and she's like no, and like he kept calling, and she, she's like, no, this is the wrong number, you know, and Puss says like, well, I'm, you know, I'm sorry. So when 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 they got when James and them came back at the end of '85, you know, and James is all excited, it's like, oh, what did you do, you know, and Pusshead's like, uh, he gave me the wrong phone number. James, he was bummed about that. So, I had so never he's like, heard that story. That is yeah, amazing. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's been told. It, it's in that's one of them, like the few known things. Yeah, you know, of like the origin of like how Pusshead and Metallica I worked knew, together. I knew the I knew the business connection. Like I knew that's how he was on their radar, but I never heard like all the details of that. <laughs> yeah. So, so James was like, he was like bummed. He's like, oh man. So he's like, well, instead, like, can, like, can you do a T-shirt for us? And I said, it's like, all right. So he and I believe I want to say um, Fred Cotton met Pusshead at Ruthie's and discussed ideas for a T-shirt, which became the Damage Incorporated shirt. So James's idea was to have like an animal skull and the and like the mallets and you know Pusshead's working out the design. He's like he don't like it, it's not working. So he actually did a couple versions of the the one that we know now, the skull and cross mallets. And yeah, James just he fucking loved it, and it's one of the best selling Metallica shirts to this day. Yeah, and this is definitely one of those iconic ones. Yeah, and like and, and the quality of illustration and that you know from. You know, looking at something he did for Septic Death in '84 to that in '86, you know that's leap years. That's that's like cosmic jumping. It's like going to another. It's like another universe and another multiverse. Like that's how far his work went in just that two years. Hmm. And and then I didn't. I, now this I didn't know because I always thought the second thing he did for them was the Crash Course and Brain Surgery shirt. Right. Apparently, that's not what he did. His second illustration is actually the Cliff Mall, um, the Cliff Mall uh, yeah. design. Now he now that he actually did for Spin magazine, and he submitted it to Spin because Spin was doing an article on Metallica, so they requested him to do a, the caricatures of them. And according to the press head, that picture is in full color. Really? Yeah, he said it's in full color, and I have no I have no no way to rebute that. Yeah. I'm going to take his word for it because he doesn't do a lot of interviews and what he says, you know, I'm going to, yeah. to take as gospel. 
So he did that, you know, and the, and the magazine said, you know, this is a great picture, but we're going to use photographs instead. So they sent it down the Q prime and Cliff hmm. Bernstein apparently still has that illustration to this day. Damn. So, you know, he held on to it and then they used that for the Cliff Mall uh, VHS, you know, a, like a year or so later. Well, if they ever auction that off for all within my hands, you got to. Spend thousands of dollars on that bad boy. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I don't, but I don't, I don't, I don't think you probably going to give. I, mean, I don't think they're going to give that up. I mean, you're talking 30, 30 plus yeah, yeah, years yeah. ago. Yeah. So, so then, you know, then he did like the crash course in brain surgery shirt. He also, because mm-hmm. Ponce had a working relationship with Zorlac, a skateboard company. Yeah. He ended up getting you know Metallica to do some work for them, and he's done like the Pirate Skull, which everyone's seen. Yeah. Um, they call it the chopsticks where it's the skull with the bones going through it with the heart around it pretty, it's a pretty iconic design Yeah. But then you get into Injustice for All where it just kind of just took off and, and it just came pus head, pus head, pus head, pus head, pus head yeah. and wh- what I find kind of you know, interesting is that not a lot of metal bands at that time were using a skull for, for merchandise reasons at yeah. least not in that way because right. Puss had said, like, you know, really before Metallica, not a lot of metal bands were doing that. It was maybe, like, more like Iron Maiden, where, like, maybe monsters or, like, you know, or fantasy-based dragons and, you know, women in yeah, bikini, yeah, yeah. whatever. You know, but then to see, like, this, you know, the, you know like, like this image of just a skull, crossbones, and the back of Damage Incorporated shirts, the just a mountain of skulls and blood and gore. Yeah. But it think- was... It was different. Yeah, I think, too, like, the way uh, Metallica sort of um, went about that, too, sort of models what they were doing with their music. Because, you know, their music was not all about... Um, they were kind of one of the first metal bands, about the first metal band, to kind of shy away from, like, the Dungeons & Dragons fantasy-type lyrics. Um, they did not have, like... Um, uh, a mascot, like an Iron Maiden, you know, having Eddie and stuff. Like, there's not, like, a real big... Other than the iconic logo, there's no real um, icon or to associate with that band. And mm-hmm. just by kind of stripping it all down and going in this different direction, they created so many iconic images. Yeah, I mean, now you can't... You know, if you think of Metallica artwork, the first thing you think of is Pusshead. Yeah. And to this day, any artist who does anything for Metallica, they're going to be compared to Pusshead, yeah. whether it's d- directly, indirectly. You're you, you're gonna you have to you're be looked at as you know. Well, what would Pusshead have done? Or is right. this as good as Pusshead? You know, especially now with the concert posters. Yeah, I always feel like everyone's trying to do Pusshead, and you know, like try to do something like try to do something different because yeah, he's got the you know he's got the down you know, unlocking yeah. key. So, you know, then after, you know, with Injustice for All, he did that, you know, the hammer illustration on the you know, inside for Justice. He did all, the, all three single uh, illustrations, which we talked about with Harvester of Sorrow, Eye of the Beholder, and one. And then he did a shit ton of shirts. You know, he did one or two based off of the song Injustice for All, mm-hmm. The Shortest Straw. So, and then, you know, the Black Album again, you know, 
feel like the Unforgiven one and Unforgiven, the, the sad but true one. Which true, was yeah, iconic, I was going to say you know? that. Yeah, I mean. I mean, they oh, used that for their backdrop on tour. Yeah, I was going to say. That's how much fucking, exposure that got. Yeah, fucking 30-foot skull, like, on both sides. How cool is that? Yeah, that was awesome. You know? So, yeah, you know, and, you know, as far as the style goes, it, it did begin to change after the Black Album. And again, you have to be like an art nerd to pick this up. But he, you know, he would, his skulls would often be, have a lot of vampire fangs to it. They'd be colored, you know, yeah. realistically of like, you know, kind of beige or like more yellow or brown. But then, like 94, like the the iconic flaming skull shirt that Jason would wear, yeah. where it's more red and orange, you know, like the style started to change a bit. His line work became more interesting because when you look at the Damage Incorporated shirt and in those designs, like his lines are pretty thin. The way he does like the texture and the shading, it's either just a lot of dots, which we call stippling, or he would even do like on Harvester or Sorrow with this, with the, with the skull, he would actually draw like little diamonds in and do hatch marks, which is just straight marks that create shading in yeah. the skull. And, you know, he started to move away from that, you know, where the skulls were a little bit more cartoony. Like they were still realistic, but they're a little bit more cartoony. You know, he, he would use thicker and thinner lines to create more interest in the work. The designs were a little bit on the, I want to say simpler side. You know, he started to use non-traditional colors for his skulls, like blues and greens. Mm. You know, he would mix in different colors and different d- designs. He would move away from the from the vampire fangs, and a lot of times, like the skull would be missing teeth in spots, or the jawline would be jagged. Right. Um, he would start incorporating, you know, like you know, strands of hair, you know, into the work. And another thing which he started to do later on, like low load error designs, which are some of my favorite. He would have like the skull or something being like wrapped up, kind of like with the one cover, and then like you know, you know, unwrapped. So, you know, he would do a lot of that stuff. I feel like there'd be more like creatures in like full body stuff too, like during the load reload era that he would do. Yeah, like he, you know, he and plus his his design work got more graphic designy. Yeah. So like it wouldn't just be like you know skull and like he start like he would incorporate the skull in different compositional designs which went back to what his favorite artist is which again I didn't know I had to dig deep for this but his favorite artist is Virgil Finlay and I had no idea who the hell this guy was so <laughs> I, I went on I went on every teacher's favorite website Pinterest yes typed in per- Virgil Finlay and I'll be I'll be damned it's I can I can easily see the influence that Virgil Finley's artwork has on Pusshead. Virgil Finley, for those of you who don't know, he was an American illustrator who did a lot of artwork for pulp magazines back in the thirties, forties, and fifties. In particular, a lot of Lovecraft stories. Yeah, looking at his work now, it's really rad. It is. He and you know, Virgil Finley had a lot of um a lot of intricate line work for his shading, which if you look at Pusshead's work, you, you can start making that connection of, oh, I, I get it now. Especially how Virgil Finley draws people, like with that kind of thousand-yard stare. I see a lot of that with Pusshead's work when he's drawing people. Like yeah. that same kind of gaze in, the, in, you know, in, their, in their eyes. 
and again, the way he would render, the way the way that Bertolt Finley would use like circles for shading and for you know compositional movement, and Pase would do that in the skulls, um, and just how Virgil Finley would design a lot of illustrations with had kind of these weird weird motifs, you know, that sort of creep up in the Pusshead's work, you know, later on, like like the King Nothing design, the Fixer yeah. design, you know, like he would put like these kind of out of box compositions from from metal from metal shirts into his work, which you know that that to me was was more telling of you know he's willing to experiment you know whereas like his actual drawing and rendering was kind of the same it changed over time but he uh he would focus more on the designs which to me were were more la- like more everlasting than just you know drawing a skull like you know th- you know 13 times yeah i feel like too i'm just looking at more virgil Fenley and stuff online i feel like both their works have has this realism to it, but it also very like comic book style to it. Right. Like it's a good mix of both those worlds where you never feel like it's ever realistic where you're, you feel like you're looking at, um, like a photograph, right. but it's always just very detailed. And even if it's maybe a little bit exaggerated here or there, just very detailed. Yeah, like especially like late, like with his later work, it, it's more. Like I said it's more caricatured. It's more cartoony. It's not as realistic. His artwork yeah. never really was super hyper realistic, and that's where again where his you know his designs were different from other metal bands back in the mid '80s. You know, it wasn't like a painted cover like you look at like Dio's you know cover work and Black Sabbath and right. you know Slayer had like you know inverted goats and whatever the hell on their covers and you know <laughs> megadeth had you know vic rattlehead but it was you know everything was you know painted you know yeah. it was an illustration like this like Pusshead's work you know it still was a little down and you know down and dirty and gritty but it was you know it, what we call an art it was graphic not like it was gory and it had it was violent but graphic in terms of the artwork was very you know bold the colors, you know, popped out at you. The design was simple and to the point. You right. know, that was very different. You know, and that attracted a lot of people, you know, fans and, you know, bands to, oh, I got to get this guy to do a work for me. Because, I mean, yeah. Aerosmith had said do work, you know, he you know, that, he did work for them. Corrosion to Conformity, you know, you know, later on, like Dr. Dre and you know, Travis Barker and, and a lot, and a lot of, you know, a lot of other bands, like, from other genres were like, oh, shit, like, yeah, I want the skull mm-hmm. guy from Metallica. And it's funny because I saw the Dr. Dre design, and it it looks like a metal shirt. Just he basically just it's one of like the skulls that you would expect, but with like pot leaves built yeah. around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's what you think it is. It's it's, yeah. it's, a, it's if you it's, if, the most stereotypical thing you could think of if there is such a thing when you cross pus head and. Dr. Dre, but it works. It was cool. <laughs> it, it does. It, 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 it totally, it totally, it totally works. So, yeah. So, yeah, Pusshead's work, you know, he, he worked for the band for 25 years and he came up with hundreds of, of designs. And, and I know like when we, when we were talking about Harvest or Sorrow over the summer, and you put me on the spot of like, what's my favorite Pusshead design? I like yeah. stammered and like, uh, same anger. <laughs> And I, at first, I'm like, oh, man, I, I don't know, it was my favorite, but 
you know, I'm coming around to it. You know, that's definitely in yeah. my top five, and you know, probably not to you know, not surprised where that will be in my like in my uh, list. But there's actually a pretty interesting story about the Saint Anger album cover. Yeah, it's detailed. Yeah, it's detailed here, and so what? So most of the time, Puss had dealt directly with James when it comes to the T-shirt designs. That, you know, and, and, um, and James is known for doing a lot of like the graphic work for the band. Like he designed the logo. He does like mm-hmm. the uh, you know the scary guy graphic, and like he he's definitely takes the lead on most of that stuff. So that makes sense. Yeah. You know, even sometimes he would he probably he would send Puss at a rough sketch. Like, if you look at the 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 Unforgiven single, yeah, there's the um, there's a you know, it's James is drawing of basically an executioner and a bunch of people going to the gallows and then falling down, you know, being dead from it. And <laughs> the, then you know, and Puss had did that same design, so yeah. I'm pretty sure that you know James said, hey. Puss had this to make it cool, but yeah. you know, a lot of the times, like when it came to like, you know, T-shirt designs and posters and you know, EP covers and whatever, you know, James would fax over the lyrics. Yeah. You know, Puss would talk to him about like what's the meaning of it because you know, Puss had kind of alluded to like he, up until you know, the Black album, he, he didn't really get like like the songs in advance. So he didn't he didn't get like a teaser of it. He would just get a lyric sheet and they're like, okay, figure it out, have fun. And, and sometimes like he would like he would deal directly with James, and that would be the yeah. only person he would really talk to. He's like, okay, you know, obviously James would have like, okay, you know, I want you know, let's 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 do this, and you go do your your thing and bring him back. Which I love too. Not to interrupt the story, but I just love how like hands on this band is with stuff, you know. Like, I'm sure that there's stuff that they just have sort of laced out and, and sort of, like, checked off on. But, like, I do not think, and I could be wrong, but I do not think there's too many singers and bands, like, being hands-on with an artist that they've commissioned to, like, design a t-shirt. Yeah, that's what makes Metallica unique. Now, like, now you have a lot of artists. Like I said, like John Baisley from Baroness. He's an artist. He's done yeah. artwork for Metallica. He's done artwork, obviously, for Baroness. He's done artwork for like, Kylesa and a couple other, you know, Skeleton Witch. So he's done a lot of artwork for a lot of other bands. So, like, now right. it's probably a little bit more prevalent, whereas, you know, 25, 30 years ago, that wasn't really the case. Right. So, so James, you know, would they, they would communicate back and forth of, like, you know, here's the lyrics. You know, what did you mean by this, you know? Well, what what's your idea here? And like Pusshead would mold and shape it to you know what what we all know now. So Pusshead in two thousand three gets a call from this Danish drummer, <laughs> the guy who in nineteen eighty five didn't know who the fuck he was. <laughs> He's Lars is is contacting Pusshead about doing the album cover for St. Anger. So it's kind of funny how that's full circle yeah. of like, yeah. like Lars couldn't give a shit about who this guy was now. Like, <laughs> he's calling him like, okay. Like, well, you know, they did okay, a lot well, of money together, made a lot of iconic photos, you know, now he knows. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, imagine like, well, okay. Well, you know, like we'll have like this fucking, you know, 
you know, like album called, you know, say anger. And it's just, it's just, it's fucking, you know, just, you know, old, you know, just, it's, it's fucking heavy. So we really got like to do the, really wacky. Yeah, it's really, really, really wacky, you know, and I always turn to the Arnold there for a minute. Like, wow, wow, wow. So like, yeah, it's just like really fucking heavy and shit, you know, it's like fucking next level shit, you know, so, you know, and plus I kind of remarked where it's different when you're doing an album cover, because when you're just doing a song, it's based off the lyrics to that song. But right. the album cover has to encompass the entire like the, the entire body of music. So in this case, all 11 songs. So there was a lot more management involved than he was used to. Because he was used to just dealing directly with James. So mm-hmm. now he's got to deal with Q Prime and Lars and James. And, you know, James is still very hands-on. Yeah. And, and originally, the design obviously comes from the song St. Anger. And he actually, he did get the lyrics to it, but not the music which I don't know if that was beneficial or not, but <laughs> the, the original design that he talked about was a character that was being weighed down by a medallion that was St. Anger, and the background was a fist, and the fist was, was facing upwards. And James had a problem with this, because to, to James, that symbolized power. Hmm. So, and he didn't, he wanted to take the power away from Anger. Right. So, you know, they're going back and forth with the design, and you know, James still wasn't feeling it. So, you know, Pasta was able to talk to James about like, okay, like, what's going on here? Like, they like the fist, but James still like he was like, I don't, I don't like the fist going upwards. It's, it, it symbolizes power. I don't want that. So, so James was like, like was saying like, like, how do you express anger like in a cartoon? And there's actually a little illustration of it in, in the So Wet magazine. And it's basically like a character who's mad. There's steam con- coming out of his ears and his his hands are down. Like with your shoulders up, your hands mm-hmm. down. And Jim goes, that's it. Like it's a moment before. So your mm-hmm. fist is down. So Pothead goes, oh, okay. And then he worked a design for the album cover of of it, you know, being the fist pointing downwards yeah. with, you know, with, with, you know, with the strangulation on the wrist yeah. and it has more of a woodcut feel to it, especially with, with, with the, with the radiance around the fist. Yeah. So it was inked and I liked it because it didn't have all that shading that he would, he would do on work. Like it was, it was, this is like graphic design. Boom. Yeah. Right. That hits you in the face Yeah, and how the design of it, of the, of the fist was, very clean and then around the black it wasn't pure black it, it had a, it was a little gray because because it was broken up with the way it was shaded and it does it looks like a, a classic japanese woodprint to a degree yeah so that was that was cool and then the back you know the back cover you know with with the fist being around the girl the puss head girl you know that like saying anger around your neck you know that was yeah you know that comes from the lyrics so that all came together then, uh, let's see, I know, like with St. Anger, I don't know if you remember this, but when they were, when they were gearing up to promote the album, the fist was, was, was in four different colors. I do remember that. And, and here, Paul said, remarked that there was actually like upward to 12 different colors. Damn. 
but they chose four. Yeah. And this is cool, right? which I had no idea until I read the magazine. Each color represents a season. Huh. Which I, I didn't know. Like, each color was, was, was different. The one that they chose, the red and orange, was summer. Right. I didn't, huh. like, I know there's, there's, like, a blue one, a purple one, yeah. and, like, this weird, like, I have a color one. I have a random San Diego t-shirt. It's from when they did the Fillmore shows back then. I was not at Fillmore, but I have the shirt. <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, But the front design are the four, um, what well, was originally going to be the four album covers. Because they were right. going to release them as, um, you know, variant covers. Yeah. And then they just ultimately just went with the, the one. Yeah. There are there apparently there are a few different color ones floating out there because they were supposed to be pulled back and I think Walmart was selling them. Yeah. So there's a there's a few floating out there. There's there's not many. So if you ha- if you have that, you could probably pay for your kid's tuition to college. So that's crazy. I, I'm sure that there is because I remember too that the I remember it, uh, the release date was like moved up unexpectedly because yeah. of. Um, the songs were starting to leak or whatever. So I remember like being in the car on my way home from high school. And I was like, you know, it took me maybe 20, 25 minutes to drive home. And I'm like five to 10 minutes away from my house. And I hear on the radio, like, Oh, they moved up the release date. It's out today. I was like, what? I like <laughs> did a U-turn, went to the record store, but like, it was really like a last minute thing where they, Teased it out like a few days early um, than was originally announced, but it was. I remember it being like a last minute surprise, so it would not surprise me if some stores had uh, some copies leak out there or whatever. Yeah, like, I remember that day too. I I had a friend work at a record store and he actually yeah. helped it for me, so that was pre- that was pretty cool. And like listening that day, now I'll admit I was I was pretty stoked about it. Yeah, I was, I was. Yeah. So. Hey. If you want to hear my thoughts on St. Anger, just listen to the last episode. <laughs> yeah, I, I did. I did. And actually, while listening to that, um, being a big wrestling fan, I actually have a similar knowledge, analogy with Metallica and, and wrestling and see if this works for you. I would go so, for it. All right. So Metallica in the 80s were the indie darlings. Yes. They could, they could do no wrong. Yes. Everyone, you know, they're, you know they're, they're at your local VFW hall. The wrestling in progress. They're yeah. in New Japan, Ring of Honor. They're the buzz of the world. Like <laughs> the internet loves them. WWE gets wind of them. They sign them, and that's that's Metallica's Black Album now. Now they're on the main stage. Maybe between Justice and you know in Black Album, like they did a little thing in NXT, but they got called to the main roster. Now they're on Raw, <laughs> and you're like, oh my god, like my favorite my favorite wrestler, like he, you know he, he's on he's on he's on USA every, every you know every Monday night, and you're like, oh, this is cool, but yeah, his style's a little different. He's not doing the Mishinoku <laughs> Tiger Bomb Driver. You know, it's he's doing more storytelling. He's working more WWE style, but it's still cool though because I'm so excited. You know, yeah, yeah. He made he made it through, <laughs> you know. And, you know he had a pretty good run on top. You know he's he, you know he got the Intercontinental title a few times. You know world champion. You know he, he did a little. You know he, he you know he, he was like a he, three you know three time tag champion. Well won the Royal Rumble a couple of times. Right, right. You know main event at WrestleMania a couple <laughs> Summer Slams. It was pretty cool. You know and then 
you know, they started to move away from, you know, that, that style that everyone loved him for, you know, back in the independent scene. You know, now he's a little flashier. He's got more money. His style slowed down. He's not doing the Mishinoku Tiger Bomber Driver. You know, you know, he's not doing crazy high spots. You know, he's taking his time. He's doing more rest holds. So that's like, you're like load and reload. You know, kind of getting a little lazy. But every once in a while, he would throw in... You know, that one match, you know, in your garage jink, that one match, you're like, oh, yeah, shit, I remember you. Oh, my God, he remember doing that. Cool. You know, then, then, you know, like, he got injured. And he was out on the shelf. And we don't know who's coming back or not. And, it, you know, he was supposed to be, you know, supposed to be, you know, you know, two months supposed to be out, tweaked his knee, tore his ACL, throughout his back gonna be out a year and a half you're like fuck he comes back he's a little heavier not as fast a little sluggish hits a lot harder you know that's just like you're a little saint anger there you know but but you know after some time weight's coming off he's moving a little faster and all, all of a sudden, oh my God, he's doing the, the Mishinoku Tiger Bomber Driver again! Holy shit! This is, oh my God, he's he did it last time. He moved something. Oh my God, he's still on beating heart. You know, now he's back. You know, that, you know now you know. And then, oh shit, now he's adding. You know, he's adding. You know, the rear naked choke, and he's been watching some MMA. So now he's got. You know, he's throwing in a lot of. You know, you know, a lot of submissions into his work, even though he wasn't doing that before. This is pretty fucking cool. So. I mean that's that's my Metallica analogy. They're basically they're a journeyman <laughs> that wrestler. Is amazing. You know, that, that, you know I, I have no idea how I thought so, about it, but I'm like the parallel is just to me was just too obvious. So now that uh, I just want to say, Richard S. He, if you're listening, that uh, was you've you've created uh, some kind of monster, if you will. Um, and now I, I think I'm going. No matter who I have on as a guest, even if they do not watch wrestling. I think I'm going to force them to do a Metallica wrestling analogy. <laughs> I mean, you have to. I mean, look. I'm know. not sure where else you go, because I feel like you both of you guys have uh, mastered the analogy and covered all the ground, but um, I, I, I feel like I should put everybody on the spot to do this now. <laughs> I mean, you could, you could have a whole podcast about Hulk Hogan auditioning, quote-unquote, I did. The band. I did. Oh, I, I, I must have missed that. I had like a little mini episode back in the day. Um, oh. I talked about, it was like around WrestleMania time. And I did, um, I just, it was, I, I probably could add a lot more to it. But I just want to do like a quick little thing. And uh, I kind of connected the dots between Metallica's connections to pro wrestling. Like, you know, the Sandman, entrance music and things mm-hmm. like that. And then went into detail about, you know, the whole Hulk Hogan thing and just how he is the greatest basis to never play for Metallica. And yeah, did, he, did you know this, too? Um, he also thinks he auditioned for the Rolling Stones, you know? Yeah, and, uh, yeah, I do I do know that, yeah. I'm not sure how you have two iconic bands pass over the, the bass stylings of Hulk Hogan. I mean... I dare I say I do not want people to get mad at me, but if your basis is Cliff Burden, there's only one other way to go, and that's Hulk Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I, I'm not I trying mean, to shit on Jason. Me. I'm not trying to shit on Robert. But, you know, Hulk Hogan could have been their basis for life. <laughs> I also like how when Hogan tells a story, it, the year changes because originally it's like, oh, like when Jason <laughs> yeah, left yeah, the yeah. band, like to me, it was somewhat plausible because Hogan, you know, was right now his WCW contract. Yeah. Okay, I can kind of see this. Then he was like, yeah, when Cliff died in 86. I'm like, wait, yeah. wait, 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 stop. Let me stop you for a moment. Well, the best like, first part. Of all, and this is how ridiculous this is to me. Hulk Hogan in 1986 was yeah. making like $10,000 a night. Yeah. All right? And he, yeah. he worked 300 days out of the year. Yeah. And he would also do double shots on like on Fridays and Saturdays and Sundays. <laughs> yeah. His main events, you know, he was making a couple million dollars, okay? <laughs> You're telling me, and then just going into WrestleMania three, the largest WrestleMania of that. Right. At that time, right. feuding with Andre the Giant. Yeah. You're telling me that Hulk Hogan, the World Wrestling Federation heavyweight champion, <laughs> who is making millions of dollars a year, is going yes. to drop his gig to yeah. play for an underground thrash metal band <laughs> yeah. that released three albums and hadn't really gotten, and played no, no commercial radio and had no music video. <laughs> I'm sure that story is 100% true. And you know Fitz McMahon would have let him out of his contract for that, too. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, hey, pal. Yeah, you want to you go play for them? Yeah, go ahead. I can, yeah. yeah, I can imagine Vince yeah. going, you know, letting his golden goose out to go, to go play, you know, thrash metal, <laughs> you know, in some shitty club, you know, in, in New Jersey, in New York. I can just imagine that. So, okay, Hulk, we got you. So. Are you gonna go play for Ozzy? Oh no, the some band that's opening up for them? No, yeah, no, no. <laughs> well, you, no. You're not, you don't want to play for the headliner. You, you want to play for the support act? And God damn it, it's not ACDC. <laughs> Come on, Vince McMahon does have a ungodly love for ACDC. I've heard. He, yeah, he yeah apparently he does. Like kind of like Triple H has a hard on for Motorhead and Metallica. Yeah. So which I'm not complaining about, but. Yeah, it's it's kind well, of funny how not to not to out my not to out myself too much, but I live in Stanford, Connecticut, which is home of the WWE. So every nice car I see, I'm like, is that Vince McMahon? Or every time I hear ACDC blast, I'm like, is that Vince McMahon? <laughs> yeah, because I'm, I'm sure one Vince actually drives a car. I'm sure he's driven everywhere. <laughs> right. So, uh, uh. Well, we've talked about teaching and now professional wrestling, and with a little bit of pus that mixed in. Yeah, we've talked about everything but the topic we're supposed to be talking about. Uh, now, we've talked a lot about pus, event, and you, I honestly, I learned so much from you, and I, this episode would have been complete shit without you, <laughs> but I think this is a good time now, you know, we've talked about all the iconic works, and um, just his work in general as an artist, and his style, and I think it's a good time to transition into our top five list. So yes, we decided indeed. we decided before we were recording this that we would choose our top five favorite Metallica designs that Pusset has done, as well as top five non-Metallica ones. And it's a little bit hard to do, I guess, visual stuff on a podcast, but we'll try and make it work since I'm a podcast professional. <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm going to do my best to, uh, for my stuff, I'm going to do my best to describe it in a way where, like, if you're interested in checking out this work, if you type, like, Posse blank, 
into Google, it'll be like the first one that pops up. So you can hopefully as you're listening to this or after you listen to this, sort of check out the work if you want. And I'm sure Nick will do a much better job describing this shit than I will. <laughs> <laughs> but the Metallica stuff, though, as soon as I, uh, most of you listening, the moment we say it, you're going to have that visual image in your head because there's so many iconic ones out there. And I, I definitely have some big ones on my list. So uh, without further ado, Nick, would you like to, how, how do you want to do this? Should we just do like one at a time? Like we'll take turns? Um, yeah, we could do that. Let's do honorable mentions first, so everyone can be pissed. That like, how come you didn't? What? That's not on your top five. <laughs> we we'll, we'll do that, then we'll do like we'll go like five to one. Yeah. So my, I'll, I'll do. Um, all right. So I was looking at so many designs just for Metallica that I was like, holy shit! Like I forgot some of these even existed. Right. There are literally hundreds, if not, dare I say thousands of designs that he's done for them and so i took it's funny because nick and i both without talking to each other made an honorable mention list because there's so many out there so yeah. one of my honorable mentions is uh the crash course and brain surgery t-shirt design Ooh, okay i i <laughs> think it's like a very cartoony and comic booky and i feel as a non-artist compared to his other work it's like very simplistic uh, compared to some of his later work, but I just think it's such a fun, goofy design. And uh, with the guy's head literally open with his brain exposed and the skull, uh, you know, over the head with the uh, metaphor. Scapel. Yeah, the, thank you. I was gonna, I'm like, what the hell's that word? With a scapel. And um, it's just a really cool, simple, goofy design. And it's, it, you know, for me, I love that cover. I think that's like a underrated Metallica cover song. And, uh, yeah, I really like that one. Yeah, it's quite literal, too. It's yeah. quite literal. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, uh, God, I mean, I think I might just... I think I might, might just run through all of mine. Run through yours, like, and I'll tell you if I have any of the same, and if not, I'll just share the rest of my list. Yes. So my honorable mention, uh, the Frantic t-shirt design, I think is really cool. Mm. The front has the clock on it. And it yeah. has the, it, you know, it has, you know, tick, 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 you know, talk near the bottom. And it has, yeah. you know, the, the, the clock is obviously a skull. And there's yeah. a little bit of, like, the falling calendar. Like, if you remember the, the year and a half in life of. So it has yeah. that kind of design to it. And then the back of the shirt is the, the let, me, let me bring this up here. It's the clock, you know falling and smashing to pieces. So yeah. that's, you know, that's pretty cool. And again, that, that was a shirt I didn't really see during that time. If I did see it, I would have bought it. Um, yeah. And also from St. Anger, the dirty window design. I'm not sure I've, I've seen, seen the dirty window one before. I've seen the back of it. I've never saw the front of it until like this year. The back of the shirt is... It's a, you know, again, it's a skull, but the design just it's cut into triangular pieces. Oh uh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen the, I, yeah. Now so that I'm looking at it, yeah. That's the back, and it says, "Am I who I think I am?" But the front of the shirt I hadn't really seen, and it's, you know, it's a judge mm-hmm. with a skull face hold, holding a mallet, and there's a window with a, another skull looking through it, and the window is kind of broken. So I'm like, I liked it for the for the for the design on the back. Well, you know what? 
It's funny you say it because I'm such a dumbass. I have that on my Arbol mentions list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, what the hell is that? Yeah, I saw, um, I was looking at the image and I'm like, what the fuck is this? I, I do not recall this at all. And I have it down in my Arbol mention notes as, am I who I think I am? And, yeah. uh, but I didn't, when I was, when I saw the back design, I did not even look at, uh, I did not even see the front design with like the window breaking, like you said, it's like that judge uh, looking skull character. I just think it's really cool. It's like the shards of glass, and they are separated, but they're forming, uh, you know, a full picture of the skull. Yeah, and that's, again, I like that because it was, yeah, it's not the whole thing. It's like, yeah. we'll give you a little bit of it. Uh, the Met Club 2004 shirt, which is the, it's a, you know, the skull with, with the mallet coming out of the front, and there's nails, and you know, going through the side and the jaw. And, you know, there's, like, smoke around the, around the side of it. So, you know, yeah, it's basically, cool it's like a best of, you know, Pusshead Metallica shirt. So. Yeah. So that's why I threw it on there. Um, the Rejected Guns N' Roses Metallica design, which I think was in the year and a half, no, was it the live shit book where it's the skull with, with the guns going through the skull with some roses around it. It, it never went to, went to uh, production. Yeah. So, and I just thought it was really cool. And again, it's stuff like that where I would love like a, a puss head coffee book of all these designs of like what made it, but also like what didn't, you know, like I would have loved cool. to have seen that. Yeah. You know, animal damage incorporated shirt design that, that never came to be. Or I would have like would have seen like hey like what if you drew the members of Metallica as along as zombies like what what yeah, would that yeah, would have yeah. looked like? And I'll throw just one more for honorable mention the Millennium shirt from the Detroit show, which is the skull wearing the wearing the party hat with confetti around it. I just it just <laughs> you know with like a trumpet going through it. It's just so it's so ridiculous yet cool at the same time. Yeah, yeah. So. Um. My other honorable mentions were the Rebel T-shirt. Which oh, is, ooh, that's in my that's on my list. Yeah, I I remember having that shirt in middle school, and uh, I really like that design. It's you know you were saying before how his design sort of changed for like you know different color skulls, and so this has like a skull and crossbones that are like red with like these orange flames behind the skull coming out, and these like kind of angel wings that are coming from behind it and the on the skull forehead it's just like carved into it the word rebel that's yeah. a really cool design in the back of it i believe too is the skull yin yang yeah which didn't which is another didn't... really cool design like those yeah. are two like to me the, the yin yang design in itself i think was used on other things too like that sort of become yeah. one of one of the more iconic ones from that era. Um, but that was, I believe, the original back to that shirt, and then it was, like, kind of recycled for other posters and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Like, you, like, band, like two iconic designs, you know, you get two, two for the prize of one, so you can't go wrong there. Yeah. And then my last honorable mention was uh, the Summer Sanitarium 2000 t-shirt. Which you're wearing right now, aren't you? Which I am wearing right now. Um, ah. This was the first time I saw Metallica live, so it's the first like tour shirt I had from that I actually bought at the show. I think it's a really 
cool design. Um, on the back of the shirt has like that skull that's like opening up with uh-huh. uh, the tour dates underneath. And when they did the second Summer Sanitarium, uh, second Summer Sanitarium tour in two thousand three, they had like kind of uh, a copycat shirt. It was still by Pasta, but it was like a, a similar design. It was, it was a, red. Yeah, but like red skulls, and it was like a little bit more um, outlandish and cartoony in a way. Yeah, but I really liked that initial design of like the skulls and the straight jackets and. Uh, like you were saying before, with the stuff wrapped around them, and they are so their whole head is like covered in like kind of this mummy bandages, and it's really cool. Yeah, I have both. I have both of those shirts because I the first time I saw them was at Tattoo the Earth in two thousand, which yeah. actually now I'm kind of pissed because I had a Tattoo the Earth shirt. It was like a tie dye shirt with like all the bands on it, with like some maybe it was a punch head skull, but you know. I was you know, 16 at the time, so I got rid of it. Dumbass. Yeah, yeah. I should have kept it. Um, <laughs> I could have fooled on eBay. So, yeah, I mean, those are... I could obviously throw all those on my honorable mentions, too. So, But they had this... They had another artist who did a lot of... I don't know if you know the name of the artist. Let's put you on the spot. They did a lot of stuff in, like, the... Uh, I guess it was, like, late 90s, early 2000s for the oh, band. Oh, uh, Tony Squiddo. I think, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I did not care for neither his shit did at I. All. Neither did I. To me, it just did not. Uh, the designs just did not look like Metallica shirts to me. Like no, they just, just crappy. They like looked it. kind of like cheaper. They looked um, a little bit more like had more like that new metal design. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It like just, the bobbleheads were based off of those designs. Yeah. Yeah, it just was, like, a lot more, like, of the moment, I think. Like, not a timeless design. Yeah, and I think, I think if I recall correctly, Tony, is a, he's a hot rod artist. And he was, or no, maybe, maybe, thinking of, maybe I'm thinking of Big Daddy Roth. Um, I know he has some connections to the band. I think he's friends with yeah. James. So that's that's what, what happened. But I'm yeah. like, oh, what a, what a downgrade. Oh, yuck. I know. No, and thank I, you. And I just remember, like, I bring that because I remember looking at, like, the the tour shirts. I forget if it was 2000 or 2003 or maybe both, but they had, like, um, the Pusset design. And then they had, like, the Meet the Inmates uh, design by, uh, what was his last name? Squiddo, am I saying right? Squiddo, Squiddo, Squiddo Squindo, something yeah, like yeah. that. It's so, inconsequential. And I was like, if these are my two choices, why the hell would I not buy Pusset? <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Oh man, now the the fucking oh <laughs> yeah. So those honorable. are my four honorable mentions. Yeah. Oh, all right. So let's let's do the top five here. Um, my number five is Fixer. Nice. That's a good one. Yeah, I just love the the, the voodoo doll, with the skull with the push pins in it, with the hand with the mummy wrapping around it. There's, you know, that that had an impact on me. As an artist, you know, plus one of my favorite songs off of Reload, so yeah, it just to me it just it made sense. Like boom, that's perfect. Yeah, that's a song that I think does not get enough attention, enough love. Right. But uh, yeah, that's a really cool design. So my number five was the No Leaf Clover one, where oh, good one with the clover leaf with the, the with the green skulls at the end. 
Yeah, that's a really I cool about one. that too. Yeah. Well, there's two Nobly Clover designs. They're both really rad. There's one yeah, with like a single green skull, and then there's one with the four-leaf clover one. And I went back and forth to which one because I had both those shirts. In fact, I think, I could be wrong, but I think the one with the main green skull has the four-leaf clover on the back, like really small. And then I think they did like a separate shirt for that one. But I, I, I'm a big fan of both those designs, but I, ultimately I went with the four-leaf clover one. Yeah, that man, I forgot about that. Oh, yeah. man. That, that, good call. Good call, Brandon. Good call. Thank you, sir. I tried. <laughs> All right. Um, my number four is Sad But True. Classic, iconic. It, it, it was one of the first plus head designs that I drew, you know, as a, as a growing artist, mm-hmm. as a teenager. And I remember, you know, in an art club as a sophomore, like when I was – you know, got, when I was like hooked, like like hook, line, and sinker into the band, we did this glass etching. And for those of you like, glass etching is when you eat the surface of the glass away. So you get you get this cloudy white, you know, design. And you can do glass etching laser or or you know, we don't have lasers, so we're going to use acid, which can kill you, by the way. <laughs> In fact, let me. Let me pull the bottle out here, you know. So it's called Armoretch and permanent, ages 18 over. Danger may be fatal. Maybe, maybe fatal maybe. and cause that's permanent damage. This is so. the skin, eyes, or respiratory tract. Vapor harmful. Causes severe burns, which may not be immediately painful or visible. It's just the fact that it's maybe fatal. Let's give it to a 16-year-old kid to see what happens. So... What one of my, so yeah, so one of my first first glass mirror etchings that I did was the sad but true design, you know, with yeah. the with the Metallica logo. I think it might have even been that uh, spider logo too. So it holds yeah. a special place in my heart. I actually have that as my number four too, and I remember having the T-shirt, and I remember having the poster on my wall, and. Obviously, just watching all those live videos from, you know, that era and seeing that backdrop like that, that to me is just one of the most iconic Metallica Pusset images that when you think of those two together, that's one that just automatically pops into my head. Yeah, and it's also a really good example of, you know, using more design, you know, with Sad But True, like how we, how would Pusset depict it, that Shakespearean Hamlet, yeah. you know, with the hands folded the shattered yeah. the shattered glass i mean it's, it's yeah. you know and then the back had the, has a thumbprint of i'm inside i'm you it's yeah you know it's really good so my number 3 is king nothing i love the the front and the back of the shirt where it's a skull inside of a star mm-hmm. and inside of a star there's smaller skulls and then the back is the genie yeah. So, which they actually re-released has a surfboard, I think now, like earlier this year. Yeah. So, it's just it's so well designed, and it and again, like it's it uses a lot of good graphic design to it. You know, while yeah. yes, it has the the patented skull. You know, it's not just a crown. You know, it's it's not the obvious thing, and that's what I right. liked about Pusshead's later work. It wasn't yeah. the obvious. Like he went, you know, that's the sign of a good artist. When you you know, that's something that I think about too is. 
how can I do this but not make it, you know, obvious and hitting you over the head with it? Yeah. And that's and I, that to me is one of the best examples of, of using lyrics from the song and making it in, you know into something totally unique. Yeah, and it, when you this is one of those designs to me like I'm looking at it right now just and like you can definitely just stare at it and like read into it as little or as much as you want. Um, especially knowing the song and knowing the lyrics and sort of connecting the dots and but also obviously him just putting his own creative spin on it all. Yeah. Um, my number three was the infamous flaming skull that Jason News did love so much. Mm. Um, I remember having again I had that T shirt, I had that poster on my wall, and I had uh the black light poster. <laughs> Just yeah, to make I think, it more I think, high school. Yeah. Oh God, black light. God, it's like the late nineties. <laughs> yeah. my, my God. Uh, but that that to me is another one of like just a very iconic Puss and Metallica images, and I I I I think it's the first iconic one that they did after the Black Album. Yeah, yeah, because you know that was you know ninety four. So I mean. Yeah, just seeing you know, seeing Jason wear that. Did he wear that in cutting stunts too? I can't remember. I I want to say yes, but I'm sure somebody out there will. Yeah, excuse me, sir. You know, yes, he wore a different shirt. You know, back in 1997. So he only wore that shirt for the first 47 and seven seconds, 47 minutes and seven seconds, and then yeah. did a yeah. outfit uh, change to just. A solid black tee, which he wore for the next thirty minutes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he wore it on, on night one. You know, when you're down in your forward. Nerds. Meanwhile, so, everybody's listening to this and be like, "Are they fucking talking about themselves?" <laughs> <laughs> well, well, yeah, yeah, we are. You know, look, we're doing a top five list on, on, yeah. on our skull, right, so. right, right. I mean. Uh, I host a Metallica podcast. Yeah. <laughs> that I do out of my basement for fun. Yeah. So I mean, I, whatever. You're all still fucking nerds. Yeah. <laughs> Dorks. Losers. <laughs> I'm gonna Reeves. beat you up. <laughs> yeah. Man, I'm gonna kick your ass after school. <laughs> yeah. sucks. You don't like what I'm saying? Meet me on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Where all the badasses hang out. Yes, they hang out on Twitter. <laughs> oh, good lord! <laughs> All right. My number, my number two is the Ruffle shirt. We talked about it before. To me, it was yeah. one of the first Metallica shirts that I owned. I love it. Good design. Not mm. said. Um, my number two, going back to your first appearance of the show, is the Harvester of Sorrow design. Mm. Classic, yeah. Um, you know, it. This honestly was. I, to me, this is an iconic one, but when you were on the show last and we were talking about the song and you made reference to, um, you know, that fist breaking through the skull with the word hope on my knuckles, and he, honestly, hearing you describe um, this song in relation to, or describing this image in relation to the song, like, made me even bigger fan of it, you know? And it, I think it ties in the justice theme of the album. You have the scales, you have that, again, like, the fists was such a big thing for the Justice album. Um, 
you know, you saw it in other designs as well. And especially like the Hammer of Justice one and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I just think this ties it kind of those ties in those different elements well to do something really creative with it. Yeah, even though like it, it's you know it, it's one of those like to me it's one of those iconic designs that you almost take for granted because you've seen it for so long and you're yeah. so familiar with it, it doesn't pop to you know it doesn't pop to mind right away. So, you know, and going with you know the fist, my number one is Saint Anger. I'm I'm holding it down. The front cover and the back cover, to me, when this album came out 15 years ago. And I was really taking my artwork seriously. I did an entire series of paintings based, you know, based off the songs of Saint Anger using hands has the motif based off the album cover. Like one for Frantic, one for the Unnamed Feeling, one for All Within My Hands, all done in that puss head style. So to me, you know, this artwork, you know, really resonated with me along with the album and the songs on it as well and the lyrics. So, you know, this was just everything that I wanted and needed at that moment in time. Mm-hmm. And then even like looking back on it now, like it's, it is such, it's such an amazing design. It's everything I wanted in a puss head design. It's got clean artwork to it, you know, thick lines, thin lines, good texture, good design. Of course, the skulls, you know, stuck in there. But, you know, it's also not the same thing like Damage Incorporated. You know, it's it's yeah. got a little bit more um, layers to it of, like, you know, the medallion around your neck and, you know, the fact that it's a female, too. Yeah. And it's not, you know, that, you know, while it's, you know, a female face with a skull, you know, for it, it's still, it's, it's different, it's unique, and it's, you know, not to be all, you know, uh, you know, nerdy, whatever, but it spoke to me in a way of like, I have to make artwork based off of this. So, in that sense, like, it's, you know, number one, sentimentally, to me, artistically, it's, to me, hands down, the best head Metallica design. I, I think my favorite part of that is when you look at the front cover and you have, you see, like, the, the ropes, what you assume are ropes, like, fighting against the fist, mm-hmm. like restraining it. And then, you know, on the backside, it's really just the ropes from the uh, from the necklace, from the medallion, which, like you said, ties in with the lyrics. So, like, there's just a lot to read into for such a simple design. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciate that. But I, for my number one, I went with probably an obvious one, but it just, it's as... And non-artist is so iconic to me. It's the Damage Inc. one. Like, mm. just having that on, uh, you know, between the patches, the 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 pins, the stickers, the t-shirts, the posters, like, just seeing that image so many times growing up being a Metallica fan, even to this day, like, when, you know, I'll walk around, um, I work in Harlem, and I see people wearing Metallica t-shirts all the time that probably have never even heard a Metallica song, but that's the Damage yeah. one and the Doris one are the two that I probably see the most. Mm, yeah. Or any of those, ju- you know, Justice Era and, you know, pu- you know, puppets with, you know, with that shirt being the first, yeah. de- 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 you know, design. Yeah. Solid choice. Can't argue that. 
Can't argue that point. Um, but now we move into some different territory. If we do our top five non-Metallica Pasetta designs, would you like to start, sir? Yeah. So I'm going to keep it a little bit, a little bit simpler with this one. Um, yeah. So my honorable mention is the Travis Barker album cover. Skull with with um, drumsticks behind it. It's got like a mm. kind of psychedelic background. It's what it's rendered really well, colored really well, drawn really well. So that to me st- stands out. And it also one call, I'm gonna call Star Girl, where it's basically it's a zombified girl, and part part of her uh, upper chest is blocked out by a by a star. You know, it, it kind of harkens back to his his punk days, but um, you know, it's a lot, a lot more. Rend- it's rendered a lot better. It's drawn a lot better. It's colored better. It's just a much improved version of what he was doing back in the early '80s. Yeah, and that, that's all I have for now. Um, that's all your non-metallica ones. Yeah, I mean, uh, otherwise we'd, we'd be here for another three hours. So. <laughs> <laughs> I had, had a, I was, I'm only going to do two. I will say the ones that I saw that stood out to me. Was uh, I, you know, always really liked the Misfits eyeball one that we referenced mm-hmm. before that James was wearing the shirt of. Um, and then there was two other ones that really stood out to me that I'm not sure where they're from or what they were for, and I'm not sure if you know. One was called um, Birdcatcher. Oh, that's in my top five. Yeah, it's, it's it's awesome. I love Birdcatcher. It's just a really cool design. Do you want to describe it? Because you'll probably do a better job than I will. Yeah, so let me, let me bring out my plus head book here. Um, like, to me, this, this could easily have been, like, a Metallica design from, like, the black album or load or something. Yeah, well, a lot of a lot of these designs Plus had would do for his fan club, yeah. and they would get recycled and be used in different ways. Like there's um, Santa Kuwait that he did back in the early '90s that that Metallica used and repurposed for one of their shirts. Um, it's basically it's a it's a you know, what a surprise it's a skull. And he, and the skull is holding a bunch of, um, a bunch of, um, bird skulls in his, in his hand. I can find the picture. Here it is. So his arms are crossed. His mouth is bounded with, you know, with that mummy wrapping and, and stitches. He has like a Frankenstein bolting in his neck because like his, um, his skull has been cut in half. Yeah, you know he's got there's like bats, silhouette bats in the background. There's like tape and stitching over his mouth. Yeah, he's got stitches in the body. His his hands are crossed, kind of like like if you were you know in a coffin. Again, it has like the the bird skulls that hanging from his hands. In the background, you know has you know has like this um this movement to it where the lines are not straight they're not vertical or horizontal they're a little bit curved and it looks like almost like a hurricane in a way yeah so there's a lot going on in the picture but you know this is an example of like busy work but you know he's got grays he's got blacks he's got whites he's got areas yeah. that are just pure white like the moon and then there's like detail 
like the skull and it makes your eye move around, which is what those lines are doing. The lines make you make your eye move around the picture, you know, and the arms act as a composition device where, you know, the, the lines from the background move into the hands and makes you move around the picture. So it's actually it's pretty well done, which is why it's in my top five. Not and it's a lot of, there's a lot of different color prints out there, too, from what I saw. Like there's a one that's uh, with like a red skull. It looks very St. Angry. Mm-hmm. And then there's other ones out there with like it's a green skull, and seems to be a lot of different variants out there. I don't know if yeah. those are actually like something that Puss had issued, or if it's just something like you know somebody picks up the design and does their own shit to it or whatever. But yeah, sometimes it's done by licensing companies. Like yeah. other times, it is done. You know, it's you know it's proved for him. So uh, and then the only other one I'll mention, which I thought was really cool. And from what I can tell, it's usually referred to as the wave. The wave. If you Google, if you're able to Google Pusa the wave, you know, this is, I think it'll come up. It's like this really, it's like, it's like this mummy skull. Um, oh, yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah He's like yeah, holding like yeah. this like skeleton marionette type thing with puppet with like an eyeball on it. That, to me, is just a really gnarly design. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. And, again, like, the background has, like, smoke and clouds to it, and that's left open, but then, you know, further along the side of him, there's more of that kind of line work that you had in in uh, Birdcatcher. You know, again, like, it's, you know, it's busy, but, it you know, it, it, moves, it moves your eye in a way where, you know what to look at first, second, third. So his designs got a lot better at this point. Yeah. Well, I think we did it, Nick. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, I think so. I think, I mean, actually, let me rephrase. I think you did it. Yeah, I think, you, I think so. I'll, I will applaud you now. You applauded yourself at the game. Yeah. I'll applaud you now at the end. Um, yeah, we did. Oh, we, shit, we didn't even do our top five for the non. We just did honorable mentions, right? Oh, were those we were just doing honorable mentions. I did not have honorable mentions. I was that's why I asked you if that was your oh oh that no. was your full five. Um, <laughs> no. I'm, I'm gonna run through these real quick. Run, run through um, yours. So I so I'll just mention real quick. I'll, all right. So here's what we'll do. I did not make honorable mentions for the non-Metallica ones. So Birdcatcher and the Wave were on my list. I mm. had them at uh it Misfits eyeballs on my list. So those are my top three. Yeah. Also, I'll just quickly mention my other two and then let you run through yours. Yeah. So, um, I had Misfits Eyeball at one, The Wave at two, Birdcatcher at three. I had Jar of Puss at four, which I thought mm-hmm. was a really cool, simple design. It's yeah. like a laboratory jar with like a bunch of like different skeleton parts basically shoved in there. Um, and then going back to his early days, I thought it was, uh, a very simple but cool design for the septic death the nightmare takes a nap oh man I, yeah yeah that's, um yeah most of those are on my list so yeah nightmare takes a nap is basically you know it's it's it, it could have been french or salmon like now that i think about it it's basically yeah. just it's basically crib death <laughs> yeah it's oh, yeah. aside <laughs> going back to our harvester of sorrow episode <laughs> yeah yeah it's basically just yeah it's a skull you know, sleeping in you know in bed, and he's you know the the mummy wrapping around his head almost looks like a nightcap, and he's holding like yeah, a, like a little voodoo doll, and it looks like like a goat's head. Yeah, so, I was gonna say it looks almost like the skeleton of like a 
of an old woman, like, because like you said, it looks like he's wearing like a nightcap, looks like he has some kind of like um, gown on, even though you don't really see much of it, with like covers pulled up, and you see like this hand uh, pulling up the covers, and it's just like these long, chipped up like claws from the, for fingernails, and he's holding that little like voodoo doll type thing. Yeah, and it's cool design. And it, yeah, and if you look at the background, like the, all the wavy lines, that's where the Virgil Finley kicks in. So yeah, so that's where like if you look at Virgil Finley, you look at Pusshead's work, like you can see the connection. So my shit, uh, my top five. Number five is Hand of Fear. It's basically a handprint with a skull on it. it. You've seen it all over the place. It's pretty badass. Uh, my number four is his collaboration with Aaron uh, with Aaron Horgney for for the Hyperstoic sto- shows. Which is pretty cool because Aaron Horgney does a lot of, he takes the pushead work in a different direction. So he does a lot of the same rendering but different subject matter altogether. So it's pretty cool to see those guys together. Cool. Number three is, uh, is Birdcatcher. Number two is Nightmare Takes a Nap. And number one is Jarred Puss. Nice. So, and it's like, they had a lot of overlap. Yeah, yeah, a lot of overlap. And I mean, honestly, that list can change tomorrow, it can change in 15 yeah. minutes. So there's just there's so much there's so much said to go through, so it's like I said like I'm I'm covering new stuff every like every day yeah. so, you know if we did this a year from now I can guarantee you the list would you know at, at least for the non Metallica would definitely be different the the Metallica ones would more or less stay the same yeah and I mean if if you I'm basing a, I mean you have books and books I'm basing a lot of this off you know, like, Google searches of images. So I know I'm not even, like, scratching the surface. I know I'm, I'm pulling up, like, a lot of maybe the main ones, a lot of the big ones. Um, yeah. But, yeah, there's so much out there. Yeah. Now, now we did it. Now, 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 now we did it. Now we did now, it. Now, now it's clapped. Yay. <laughs> Yay. Yay. Yay us. You clapped Yay yourself. Us. I clapped for you. Now I'll clap for both of us. Right. Um, do you want to... Uh, uh, what were the books you were referencing? Do you want to uh, share them in case if anybody listening is interested in checking out more about yes. Pusshead and his work? Yes. So um, a lot of Pusshead stuff is very hard to come by. Um, the one book that I was able to get on eBay is um, a series called Sparrow. It's produced by IDW Publishing, and it's volume 15. And it's on eBay from anywhere from $50 to $200. It's it's a very small book. It's like I think six by six or seven by seven, and it has it has the jar of pus in there. Nightmare takes a nap. Birdcatcher. Uh, it has a bunch of other designs in there as well. Um, I also re- reference the So What, which is the Metallica fan club magazine. It's volume ten, number four from two thousand four, which you can buy at the Metallica store for four bucks. Sounds and worth it pretty, to me. I forget yeah. sometimes they have some of those. They have a lot of those back issues on there still. Yeah, and it's, what's even cool too, it comes with a Pusshead poster, which is still nice. inside the magazine, which is pretty cool. Cool. Um, I also, you know, PussFan.com has a lot of Pusshead designs that he did for Metallica, the Misfits, Corrosion of Conformity, you know, the stuff he did for his fan club, you know, you know, buttons, T-shirts, toys, sculptures, all that crap is on there. Uh, I pulled an article from Thrasher magazine. I don't know when, but it has some information in there as well. And also, uh, I've collected some Pusshead prints over time, like 
uh, following Hyperstoic on Instagram and Aaron Horkney and Pushead. So I was able to kind of, you know, pull stuff from, you know, those resources. There are art books on Pushead that he released through his fan club, but they're expensive. And, you know, like even in there, there's stuff I know I've never seen before. So yeah. that's why I'm saying, I, you know, should those things fall my way, you know, this, you know, this list will be different in a year from now. So uh, with Pushead, probably the easiest thing to do is collect, you know, obviously, my Metallica shirt collection. I have a lot of these designs on shirts. So, you know, if you want to collect Pushead artwork, just buy Metallica shirts. They're the cheapest investment you can have. It's worth it. It's, it's functional artwork. You know, you're not spending, you know, four hundred dollars on a on a puss head print not that i would know of anyone who would do that <laughs> so um cough cough wink wink yeah so or even just having you know album you know, like album covers and sleeves yeah. and all that um like he doesn't have like anything official as far as i know of it's all kind of fan the only thing i know is official is the idw book from the, that that was that came out you know uh 10 15 years ago I was thinking, um, you know, while I was researching this episode, how cool it would be if he ever decided to do some kind of, like, art gallery. And I know me being in Connecticut and you being in Jersey, like, if, you know, ever did something in New York City or whatever, like... Yeah, he has. Type people could... Oh, has he? He has. Like, that's what he's been doing recently, because I don't, I don't know a lot of people know this, but he doesn't do anything officially with Metallica anymore. His, the, the, as far as I know, the last thing he did officially for the band was the 30th anniversary show. Is that yeah. skull with the with the three X's? That yeah. was the last thing he, that he did officially for the band that I know of. Now they've recycled a lot of his designs, like like now for the North American tour, where it's like hashtag met in you know put town here and that plus head skull. Yeah, that skull again is how much of a nerd I am. That skull came from. The Injustice for All shirt, which is the, which is like uh, soon you please it your appetite. That's where that skull hmm. came from. Yeah, I yeah, looked yeah. at it and go, that's not a new pushead skull. I know yeah. that skull and I nerded out and looked for it and I found it. So well, and I don't and I don't know why that he doesn't work for the band anymore. Maybe it's just a um, personal choice on his end or something. Maybe I mean, look, twenty five years is a hell of a run. Yeah, nineteen eighty six to two thousand eleven is a hell of a run. You know, I, it, I was thinking, too, I was like, you know, I, I'm not coming across my research, nor can I recall off the top of my head, like, there's no positive designs for, like, Death Magnetic or there's Hardwire one. to Self-Destruct. What was the Death Magnetic one? Uh, my Apocalypse. It's Heart Explosive. It's basically uh, a skull with a spine holding the heart. Yeah, yeah, so, I do think I do recall that one, now that you mentioned I, it. I, I don't know if I have that shirt, but I, I that I know he did for the band, plus... For the you know for Death Magnetic they had like the the skull with the tongue sticking out with the yeah fucking wire going through the tongue which was recycled for different tours yeah but he hasn't he, you know he hasn't really done anything for the band obviously there's some kind of you know business relationship where like the band can still use his yeah. images and again I don't know if it's because it's in propriety it's, it's, it's proprietary. You know, the band owns the images. They can repurpose it forever yeah. they want. I don't know what kind of deal they have, but I'm I'm pretty sure it's some kind of like business deal. It might just be to like, you know, an artistic direction that one or the other one to go in. Because if you look at like Hardwire Self Destruct, they feel like they've really focused a lot on like the album imagery. It's been more focused on like photography. 
than yeah. you know, like illustration. So that might just be like a decision for that album, and who knows? Yeah, you know? could be a, any number of things. But I would love to get, uh, you know, maybe for the next Metallica album that's hopefully not eight years away. Um, hopefully not. Yeah, <laughs> some new Cossack designs out there because I think that'd be badass. And or they just would love hire it. me to do it. I'm or sorry, that. Because uh, because Nick, you have uh, definitely some Pusset influence in your artwork. Uh, yeah. You're very good with the skulls, and you yeah. picked up on all, all of that. If you're um, if you're a listener to this, I'm going to assume that you listen to Metal Up Your Podcast. And they have the uh, Color World Blackened shirts and albums that they've released, and you are the man behind that illustration. Right, and it's funny about that too, is that sh- that design is actually from 2008 that's based off the cyanide ah so that's why it's the you know it's based off of uh you know you know break this empty shell forevermore the concrete yeah that makes a lot of sense so feeling dead inside so and you know that came together really i remember that came together really quick like i have the original sketch where it's it's maybe it's literally a thumbnail it's the size of my thumb yeah. It's very small, and I did that illustration like really, you know, just you know, really quick. And I had made that into a print, you know, at shows and buttons and magnets, and it didn't do shit. And then Clint asked me, you know, well, we were going back and forth on designs for for the EP, and I was I was treading water. I couldn't think of anything, and he found that design, and he's like, "It fits our theme." I'm like, "Okay, all right, that's fine. I'll have to do any work for it." <laughs> you know, I all the only thing I did was I made it a square format because it was a rectangle, and I just not to ruin the magic here. Photoshopped, copy paste some of the broken <laughs> broken images of, of like, around the peri- you know around the perimeter so that yeah. it looks like it's really shattered. But the original is a rectangle and doesn't have a lot of that stuff on the left and right hand side of it. But hmm. um, yeah, I mean it's. It's it's one of it, it, you know it's one of my favorite drawings that I've done, and yeah. I I know that they're working, Clint and Ethan are working on a volume two, and we've had some preliminary talks about like some concepts, you know, for the album cover, you know, based off of some of the songs. I'm not gonna say what songs are on there, but <laughs> it's you know it's it's pretty you know, it's it's still cooking. Like I came up with a few things that I was like, yeah, I don't know if it's gonna work, but you know, Puss said he's in my my holy trinity of artists, the other two being Jim Davis, who created Garfield. Yeah. He got me drawing, you know, Pusshead, you know, my teenage years. And then Frank Cho, who is a comic book artist and illustrator, also did a comic strip called Liberty Meadows. He, he did a lot of um, comic book work where it wasn't like typical comic book illustrations. It had more of a classic illustration feel to it. So those those are my top, those are my holy three that I go back to every time like like Pusset goes back to Virgil Finley, I go back to Pusset, Frank Show and Jim Davis. Yeah. Well now all I want is a Garfield's comic strip illustrated by Pusset. That'd be pretty badass. <laughs> In fact I should probably make a drawing of that for Inktober. That would be the most evil lasagna fucking ever, man. <laughs> yeah, just the the Garfield skull. <laughs> With the <laughs> Holding like, uh, Odie's like head, or like John's <laughs> head. You can imagine that. Garfield skull with a hand holding lasagna, crushing through it. 
well, where can people find your stuff? Best place is Instagram. Uh, that's where I'm most active. And I'm on Twitter and Facebook and a bunch of other shit. But Instagram is the best way to f- obviously find my artwork. Um, I try to post there regularly, but with the school year right now, it's it's a little rough. So I yes. try to post once once a week. I try to do more, but you know life happens. So yeah. that's N I C K M O C K O V I A K. You know I also pop up a lot. You know on Twitter. You know, harassing Tom Quee of Alpha Metallica about <laughs> song lengths of certain things. You know, Tom's a good guy. Also, uh, trolling a little bit of Clinton, Ethan. You know, with, uh, with with trying to find Paul, which I did find Paul. He's he was a hurricane in the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> like three people will get that, which is fine. Which is fine. But I mean, yeah, easiest easiest way to Instagram because everything nice. else links back to everything else so cool well i have some things planned so you mentioned you know having a busy year once this once school starts back up and i'm the same way which is why my output for this podcast in the summer was one a week and now it's been about one a month and i'm hoping yeah. to do one two a month if i can uh, a mini episode here or there I'm going to do what I can with the time that I have, but I do have some things lined up for the next couple months. But for one of the things, I'm going to need the help of you, the listeners, the Metalcast Booty Show. Um, Nick, December is our one year. Woo! It's hard to believe that uh, we have not been around for a year, but it's also been, it's also hard to believe that uh, we are to be one year does that make sense like it feels like such short amount of time <clears throat> I, I, I stopped making sense will you continue hosting the show for me please continue <laughs> <laughs> like, like well, I always say I am a podcast professional yes um, uh, so let me just <laughs> try that again take two I'll, I'll edit all this out um, not really but um, <laughs> it feels like it's it's hard to believe it's already been a year, but it also feels like I've been doing this for a long time. Right. We talked about that with the school year. It seems like it's been yeah. forever. Like, it's so long and so short at the same time. It drags, but it yeah. moves quickly. So That was, no, about, I, as I good as, that was about as good as my uh, um, ending when I started doing some of I was like, here's a cover for a cover that's a cover by a cover, 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 cover. I basically <laughs> said the word cover as many times as possible in... The last minute of the show. And I'm really good. I'm really good at this, guys. I promise you. But um, I do want to thank the Metalcast Militia and everybody who's been downloading and subscribing. Um, we're not quite at the one-year point, even though we're approaching it. And, uh, you know, my numbers are uh, small compared to other shows, but way higher than I ever thought they would be. And it's continuing to grow slowly but surely. So thank you. And because of that, I want to do something special for the one-year show in December, uh, but I'm going to need your help. I want it to be, you know, one of the reasons why I started doing this show was to meet other Metallica fans like Nick and to have these conversations, and uh, I think that's the most important part of all of these podcasts that exist out there for this band that we love, and I want to do a whole Metallica 
cast metallic cast militia episode whether you want to share an email metallicastoffans.experts.com whether you want to call the metallicast hotline 203-548-0609 and leave a message or if you want to hit me up on social media at metallicast pod on facebook twitter instagram and maybe we can schedule a sit down time for uh an interview. I have uh, a couple people who have already reached out to me saying, oh, I would love to be on an episode if you would ever care to have me on. And I'm like, yeah, the more the merrier. So if you're at all interested in contributing, please do. I want it to be um, a celebration of the show, but more importantly of being a Metallica fan because, like I said, that's what I think it's all about. So please help me put together something special for December. Again, you can email metallicast at fansonexperts.com. You can leave a message at 203-548-0609. And that's just a Google number, so you can leave a message from your phone or from a uh, laptop, wherever you have Wi-Fi. Or just hit me up on social media at MetallicastPod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And just be like, hey, I'll be interviewed for the show. And I'll say, okay, let's schedule something. Um, other than that... I think that's all I have to plug. So find Nick on Nick at Nick Makoviak on Instagram. Check out his artwork. Support him and Metal Up Your Podcast with their with his awesome badass Pusset inspired design. Nick, anything else you would like to add before we close out here? I'm tired. Me too. <laughs> Well, that's going to be my excuse for getting all tongue-tied. Um, yeah. <laughs> Remember, we talk for a living, everyone. Like, this yeah. is what we do. Yeah. Our job is to talk. And yeah. as you can tell, we're, we, are, <laughs> we are professional as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yep. <laughs> yep. So, as always, I like to end with a cover. So, I'm going to end with a... Uh, random banjo cover of the song Battery that I found on YouTube. Uh, it was posted by a man named Rob Scallion, S-C-A-L-L-I-O-N. He has a whole bunch of stuff up there that he's done, guitar, banjo, and whatever else, and he has a bunch of metal covers up there, including a bunch of different Metallica covers. So here is his cover of Battle Ray. Till next time, Go. ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Are you alive? Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, melt up your ass. Yeah, yeah. Woo.
Bad non-experts.